Turn with me please to John chapter 15. John 15. Glad to be in church this morning. Thank you Lord. Going to church and reading your Bible and praying is just part of being a Christian isn't it? Doing what the Lord told you to do. Putting him first in your life. Makes a lot of difference. Sometimes people hold back and you know they know they should be doing this or that but they just don't. And uh, they don't realize that they're uh, cutting things off from their self. They could be enjoying so much that they're not. And the enemy is just that way. He's a liar, isn't he? He's a liar and deceiver. And he do everything he can to keep us out of what would bless us. Any of you in here before that there was something that you held off, procrastinated on, maybe months or even years. And when you finally did it, you thought, oh my, <laughs> why didn't I do this? You know, five, ten years ago, I, what did I think was be wrong with it? This is one of the greatest things. When the Lord's in something, he's not trying to hurt you or take anything away from you. He's trying to help you and bless you. So it pays to obey. Say that out loud. It pays to obey. And, of course, it costs to disobey. John 15, did you find it? John 15, in the first verse, Jesus is speaking. He said, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman every branch in me that bears not fruit he takes away but every branch that bears fruit he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit more fruit now you're clean through the word which I have spoken to you abide in me and I in you As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can you, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. Somebody say fruit. Fruit. And more fruit. And And much fruit. fruit. We're quoting these scriptures. He said, for without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they're burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. And it shall be done to you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. He's not talking about him bearing fruit, he's talking about us bearing fruit. And yet we can't bear fruit except by the life of the vine, him. Does he expect something out of us? Yes, he does. He expects us to produce. I don't know if uh, Christians universally have been taught that enough. I think a lot of people have the idea you get saved, come to church if you feel like it, and just try to hold on till you die Go to heaven. No, the Lord expects something out of us. Doesn't he? He knows what we're capable of. In him. And he expects us to produce. And even if we're producing. Even quite a bit. What does he expect? More. More. He expects us to produce more. Are you agreeable to that? Do you want to bear fruit? Do you want to produce more and more for him? Do you think that would be tied in to your own happiness and satisfaction? I mean... You know, sometimes people talk, Phyllis and I were talking about uh, 
this the other day. You know, when the Lord gave us this property and we moved over here and it was a whirlwind of work. <laughs> Hundreds of you showed up and did a uh, impressive job. And I mean, it was night and day. It was just about round the clock and miracles every day. And folks, some people worked about as hard as they had in, in years and years, but were some of the happiest and formed relationships that are still strong in their life today. Uh, sometimes people act like that not having anything to do is good, but you know, I don't know about you, but uh, I don't like doing nothing. Do you? I mean, you know, we went on vacation a few weeks ago, and it's a pretty place, and, and you know, it's nice and warm, and, and there's a beach, and, but only so much of that, and I want to go preach. I want to go get something done. I ain't getting no reward for laying on the beach here. Anybody with me or not? Now that's okay. Don't misunderstand me. You need some downtime and you need some rest time. That's okay. But I, for one, do not want to sit around and do nothing. That is not my idea of a good thing. My idea of a good thing is to be so blessed and so equipped and so graced that you can get more done with less effort. Hmm? Like today, we're speaking, you know, these cameras are recording and we got thousands of folks with us by the internet and that can be, they can, people can watch it in China next year by clicking a mouse button. (laughs) Glory to God. Oh, how it blesses me to hear that somebody that I've never even met got a hold of the word that the Lord could use me to preach and minister to them. Well, there are tools that can help to redeem the time. There's wisdom that can cause us to become more productive. Somebody say, I want to. I'm ready. I want to be more fruitful. I don't want to waste my days. I don't want to waste my abilities or miss my opportunities. I want to be fruitful. I will be, be, by the grace of God, God, more fruitful. More. More. Even if you're producing some, what's required to produce more? What is it? Verse 3 here? What's required? What does it say? Now, excuse me, verse 2, and then verse 3. Every branch that bears fruit, what? He purges it. So, even if you're producing, what do you need? You need some purging. That's where sometimes you lose some of the crap. (laughs) If you say, all right, we're going to have a seminar on purging. We're going to have a purging meeting. Well, that's what we've been having for a while, isn't it? Purging is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. No matter how great the tree is, no matter how great the vine is, it needs to, the dead stuff needs to be trimmed off of it. It needs to be pruned and trimmed and, and cared for. Why? So it can produce more. If you want to get the full benefit out of the tree, the fruit tree, the, the fruit vine, you can't just let it go. You got to trim off the dead stuff. And you and me need trimming. Regular trimmings. Pruning, purging, cleansing. Now go with me over to, uh, 1 Peter. I think it's Second Peter, excuse me. Second Peter, the first chapter. Second Peter chapter one. 
And we began last week looking at some areas of purging. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 4 says, Whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. His divine power has given unto, verse 3 said, all things that pertain to life and godliness. And verse 4, we've been given exceeding great and precious promises that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature. Does this sound like the vine and the branch? The divine nature that's in the vine flows in us the branch and through us that's what produces the fruit and having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust and beside this this goes together with what he just said giving all diligence add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness charity For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Is that good news? He gives us seven things, seven areas that if we'll add to ourselves, it will assure that we will be fruitful. We won't be barren. We won't waste our life. We won't waste our graces and opportunities. We will be fruitful. Are you interested in this, friends? Keep reading. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. Glory. Do you like this? If you do these things, you will not be barren. You will be fruitful and you won't fall. Man, we ought to camp here for a while. Seven things he mentions. What was the first one? Virtue was the first one. Virtue. That word means excellence. We said that has to do with that which is superior as opposed to that which is inferior. That which goes beyond. That which is surpassing. Now you can look at this. If you look at the opposite of excellence, that's what you need to be pruned of. So we can look at both sides of this. If we add excellence to our life and our way we think and operate and live, uh, it'll make us fruitful. The opposite of excellence is what? Lackadaisicalness, sloppiness, laziness, and make do, good enough. That kind of attitude and thinking will cause you to be unfruitful. How many of that would cause you to stop short of? What you should produce. Because you just live that way. And you think well. You know what's the point. Uh, good enough. Do we have to. And if you live like that. You're not going to be fruitful. You're certainly not going to produce more fruit are you. So this excellence. Is going to. If we add that to our faith. It's going to cause us to advance. And to bear more fruit. That we talked about that last week. The next one is what. Add to your faith. Virtue or excellence. And add to excellence. Knowledge. Knowledge. 
Knowledge is knowing, knowing things. So what's the opposite of it? You need to be purged of what? Ignorance. Ignorance. Now, you know, sometimes people get offended if you use the word ignorant concerning them. (laughs) But I'm ignorant of a bunch of things. And you're ignorant of a bunch of things. Ignorant means you don't know. It's not a slander. It's not a curse word. It describes a condition. You know, I'm ignorant of neurosurgery. I'm ignorant of Egyptian hieroglyphics. There's a bunch of things I'm ignorant of. And some things don't really matter because that's not my call. That's not what I'm going to be doing in life. But there are other things I need to know. And you need to know. And Paul, who God used to pen a large portion of the New Testament, he said, we know in part. And I mean, he had seen a lot and knew a lot. And yet he says, we know in part. Well, if he knew in part, where would that put a lot of other folks? <laughs> they just know part of the part of the part, Amen. which means there's all kind of parts they don't know. And so many times it's the things you don't know that cause the problem. I've heard people just in desperation say, well, I'm doing everything I know. That may be the problem. You just may not know enough. I'm serious. You just may not know. There's so much you don't know. and So much I don't know. And the Lord is so gracious with us. He doesn't expect you and I to know everything. We're advancing and growing all the time. You know the reason why he calls us his little children? That's not a figure of speech. You saw these little ones up here this morning? That's how we are to him. Even the more elder of us. That's how we are to him. It's laughable that so many people think they're so advanced. <laughs> they think they're so mature. They're so developed. It really is funny. Because people who are developing begin to realize how much they don't know. Amen. I know my father in the faith, Kenneth Hagin, if you've heard him much, he used to say that all the time. He said, the more you learn, the less you see you know. <laughs> and that is the truth. The people who are the most ignorant think they know the most. Is everybody awake? You get around people that think they know a whole lot. That's the most ignorant people around. I'm serious. Because if you really are learning and growing, you're always going, wow. Oh, <laughs> I see. Then you look back over you, what you've said and done and go, oh boy. I have to change that, am I? I'm going to have to change that too. Whew. Oh. And the Lord's good. He won't show you all of it at once. We couldn't handle it. <laughs> if he set us beside the Lord Jesus and turned and revealed all the glory of the Master and all our shortcomings at once by comparison, we'd just go, huh, huh, put me out of my misery, just please. But he won't do that. He'll show you a couple of things and you go, oh, oh I need to change that and You'll grow and develop in it and you'll think, glory to God, I about got that. And he'll go, oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. But there is something else that I, I'd like. <laughs> like, uh, who was it? Brother Copeland's uh, his daughter that her son, Max, when he was little, it was time for him to go to school. And, and uh, he went one day and he came back and he said, 
I don't need to go to school. <laughs> he said, I already know all that. I already know it. And his mom, uh, she said, Max, you don't know everything. He said, sure. I know. And so she mentioned a couple of things. Do you know how to, and she had talked about, do you know the answer to this? And do you know this history question? Do you know? He said, no. Do you know the answer to that? No. Well, what about this? Do you know this? He thought, no, he's just a little boy. And he said, well, I know everything except them three things. And you can, you can tell me that. And I don't need to go back to school. <laughs> That's because he was so young and so ignorant. So ignorant, he didn't know how ignorant he was. (laughs) If you are learning and growing, one of the first things you realize is how ignorant you are. Am I talking to anybody here? I'm talking about me. I'm talking about you. If we are growing... We are becoming increasingly aware of how ignorant we have been. And that's a good thing. Because much of the world thinks they're smart without God. So what do we, if we're going to be fruitful, what do we need? If we're going to be more fruitful, we need to be purged of some ignorance. Don't we? And we need to have some knowledge added to us. How many of you would say you think different and you have a different life now than you did 10 years ago? Would you say that? How come? What happened to you? The revelation, knowledge of the wonderful life-giving Word of God has come to you and got in you and opened your eyes and help you to see the truth, and help you to see some lies, and help you to get your mind changed, and you're a different person. I said, you're a different person. And here's some good news. This came up in my spirit the first service, and this is not just something that I'm throwing around. I have it in my spirit that if we'll stay hooked with the Lord, the amount of knowledge He gave us in the last ten years, He would give us that much more again in the next two. I'm talking about on top of what we got. Are you listening to me, friends? Would that change our life? Would that make us a different person? Would that help us to produce more than we have ever produced? See, a lot of the reason why we're not producing to a certain point is ignorance. It's just what we don't know. So is it important that you read your Bible every day? And pray. Is it important that you come to church every time you're supposed to? And you sit under the ministries that God's put in your life. And you let this knowledge come into you. Let this wisdom flow. And don't just show up and sleep through it or let your mind drift. But show up and say, Lord, I need to learn. I need to learn. Have a teachable spirit. Can you say amen? A teachable spirit. Somebody say, teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord. I want to learn. I know I need to learn. I'm asking for more knowledge, more understanding in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. That will make us more fruitful. What's the third thing? Add to your faith excellence. Add to your faith knowledge. And what else? Add to your faith temperance. 
Now the word temperance literally means strong in a thing or masterful. To be strong in a thing which equals to self-control. Strong in what? Strong in controlling yourself as opposed to weak as letting yourself go. Letting yourself do things you ought not do. Go to Romans the 8th chapter. Romans the 8th chapter and the 5th verse. Romans 8, 5. He said, they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, in other words, they mind the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded, the word carnal and flesh are used interchangeably. To be flesh minded or carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. How many know and understand you're not just a body? You're not just physical. You're not just flesh. You are a spirit. God is spirit. The father of spirits. And you are spirit. You live in this body. You're sitting there right now looking at me through those two windows we call eyes. I see the house you live in. You're inside there. You're a spirit. And as born again people, we can choose to be aware of this, the outside, or we can choose to be aware of the inside. We can choose to think about and keep on our mind stuff of the outside. Or we can choose to keep on our mind things of the inside, the spirit. And so many people, when they hear the phrase, in the spirit, walk in the spirit, it just goes right past them. They just, for some reason, it's it's a mystical thing to them. And they think, well, maybe some super... Godly people that pray night and day and can quote the whole Bible, you know, they can, can get in the Spirit. Every child of God is alive in the Spirit and is supposed to walk in the Spirit. That doesn't mean you're in a trance half the time. It means you've got spiritual things on your mind. How many understand you can look out or you can look in? You can just think all the time about what you're feeling and hearing and smelling and tasting and seeing. Or you can have your mind on what you're sensing. Come on, what you're sensing on the inside of you where the Holy Spirit of God dwells. You can set your mind and your affection on things that are above. Not just things that are on the earth. And if you'll do that, you'll walk in the Spirit. You'll be a spiritual person instead of a carnal, flesh-dominated, flesh-ruled, body-ruled person. Keep reading. He said, verse uh, 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Skip down to verse 13, verse 12. 
Brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh, for if we live after the flesh, you'll die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. That's talking about temperance. That's talking about self-control. We're going to read Galatians 5 in just a moment, and it talks about the Spirit has lusts against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. That's King James talk. The spirit has strong desires. The flesh has desires. And they are contrary to each other. Your spirit, if you'll be aware of the spirit of God in you, he will be pulling on you to walk in love. To put God first, to believe God, to advance, to bear the kind of fruit, to do the work and will of God. Your flesh, your flesh will pull on you to do stuff that's wrong. I'm talking about yours and mine. Because it wasn't your flesh that got born again. It was the man inside. Your flesh and my flesh is still just like Joe Sinner's flesh down the street that never got born again or never goes to church. And you can't trust your flesh any further than you can throw it. And your flesh will want to do things that it should not do. And your mind didn't get born again. Your spirit did. That's why your mind needs to be renewed. So, like my father in the faith, Brother Hagin, used to say so many times, even the most holy saint of God has found in their mind and soul, at times, thoughts and feelings that were ungodly. Is it true? People try to sit up in church and act like they're never tempted. I've had people tell me, oh, you know, I... I'm never tempted at all with anything. God just took that out of me. That ain't so. Jesus himself was tempted. If he was tempted, you're going to be tempted. You got flesh. Feelings are going to come. And that's where the self-control must come in. Things are coming to your mind. And you need to identify them and say, "Uh uh-uh, that's wrong. I can't think on that. And you need to control your mind. Your flesh will be pulled toward things that are wrong. I'm talking about you. I got three or four people with me. Preachers, church people, everybody. Come on, we know this is true. People are falling in sin all over the place. You know this. And how many understand, if you yield to wrong thoughts and feelings that come to you, it's going to ruin your life. And you're not going to bear the kind of fruit that you're supposed to bear. He goes on to say, just a little bit further here. He said... Verse 13, if you live after the flesh, you'll die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you'll live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Two simple keys to walking in the Spirit. What you got your mind on and what you let lead you. Can you see this, friend? What you let lead you. It's up to us what we let or allow to lead us. My eye can catch something that I think is attractive, and I can let that lead me. A thought can come to my mind, and I can dwell on that, and let that lead me. Or I can let the Holy Spirit on the inside lead me. See, a Christian, a child of God, can ignore the leadings of the Holy Spirit, and yield to leadings Of wrong desire and wrong thoughts and feelings. Can't they? Or a Christian can resist and shut down. 
and not yield to those wrong thoughts and wrong feelings and desires and can yield to the Holy Spirit. And which one you yield to is going to determine what kind of fruit you produce. Are you with me, friends? Go to Galatians, please. The fifth chapter. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord. What's he doing? He's helping us to bear more fruit. Galatians 5 and 13. Brethren, you have been called to liberty, freedom. Only use not your freedom for an occasion to the flesh. Don't use your freedom to flesh out. But use your freedom to do what? To buy love, serve one another. You know, I was thinking uh, what Phyllis was saying uh, the other day. Thank God for the internet. And thank God for it reaching out. But like she was saying, if you're supposed to be here, you shouldn't be sitting at the house watching the internet. Someone said, well, I can receive good. Uh, Yes, you, okay, I'm not saying you can't. You can't serve good. There. Right? And you're not just supposed to be receiving. You're supposed to be receiving and serving. Well, I don't feel like I need to. Well, you're wrong. That feeling that you ought to be casting down and resisting. Because the Bible's above your feeling. And the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And the Bible said, serve one another. Right? In love. That's why we have all these service teams around here. Opportunities and places to serve. So yeah, you can receive good. And I know some people are watching in other countries and, and it's not physically possible and other things are going on. I understand that. We're talking about people you know you're supposed to be in the house and you're just sleeping in and goofing off. And not only do you need to be here with your smiling self and your hair combed and looking good, <laughs> but you need to be working. You need to be on a team doing something, serving one another, help keep you out of trouble too. How many of that's true? I mean, you got all this idle time on your hands, goofing off. That's, you just got the door open for problems. Get busy serving God. You won't have so much trouble. (laughs) Somebody say amen or owe me or something. (laughs) By love, serve one another. Verse uh, 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts. The feelings and pull and desires of the flesh. Let's turn that around. Yield to the feelings of the flesh and you won't walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit, yield to him, yield to that. You won't be yielding to the wrong desires of the flesh. Now what you yield to is going to determine what kind of fruit you produce. Skip on over to the sixth chapter real quick. Six. And seven, be not deceived, God's not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Well, isn't what you reap fruit of some kind? For he that sows to his flesh shall of his flesh reap flesh fruit, which is corruption. He that sows to his spirit, what kind of fruit would he reap? Spirit fruit, what kind of fruit is that? Life ever lasting so we yield to the wrong desires of the flesh we're going to have a harvest we're going to produce some fruit but it's not the fruit you want it's fruit that produces death in your life and the lives of others 
But we yield to the right thing. We're going to have fruit that remains. Good fruit of eternal life. That's what we're looking for. That's what we want more of. Go, skip back to verse 16. Walk in the spirit. You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. So that you cannot do the things that you would. Every one of us has this struggle within us. Every morning when you wake up. You got this flesh. And it has not been born again. And it will do anything you let it do. I'm talking about your flesh and mine. I don't care. If you think you are apostle so-and-so, prophet so-and-so, amazing prayer so-and-so, if you can quote the whole New Testament, no difference. Your flesh will do anything you let it do. Your flesh, my flesh, will be a drunkard, a drug addict, a liar, an adulterer. Did you hear me? Any, if you let it. Somebody says, oh no, I could never. Listen. How do you think the people that are doing it, how do you think they got started? You know, it may not look like it, but you yield to this, and tomorrow you yield to that. You keep yielding, and you get to the place where you're doing things you never imagined you would do. Because the eyes of man and the lust of the flesh cannot be satisfied. You could get a buzz on a beer, and now it takes a fifth. Did you hear me? You could get a buzz on a toke, and now it takes mainline and heroin. Did you hear me? Don't think it can't happen to you. What's the smart thing? Don't start down that road. Just don't start to begin with. Obey the Bible. Control yourself. Temperance. Control yourself. There are some things that are just wrong. Right? You got no business thinking on them. Right? Thoughts come into your mind. You need to identify it and say, "Uh uh-uh, that's wrong. I can't think on that. That's wrong. I can't do that. That's sin. That's wrong. That's ungodly. If I do that, it'll work death in my life. It'll bear fruit. How many know yielding to, if you don't control your flesh, it can ruin your life. It can ruin your marriage. It can ruin your relationships. It can ruin your occupation, your ministry. Can it? Your flesh, my flesh, any of our flesh, if we don't control ourselves, it can absolutely ruin our lives. Paul said, and we know he knew God. He knew so much, yet he said, I keep under my body. Not I put it under one time, and that was I keep it. How many every day when you wake up, you still got this flesh with you? And even though you kept it under real good yesterday, it can go crazy today if you'll let it. Right? I keep under my body. And I bring it into subjection. Lest by any means after I've preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Disqualified, that word means. No. We must not yield to that stuff. We must yield. Listen to what he's talking about. The fruit of the flesh. The works of the flesh. If you yield to that, verse 19, what will manifest? What kind of fruit will be born? The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery. How many know adultery is wrong? People say, well, yeah, but we just fell in love. It should have never got anywhere close to that. How'd you fall in love? You spent time with them. You should have never spent. You had conversations you should have never had. You opened up your heart and shared things with them and they with you that never should have happened. 
Now your heart's all entangled up in theirs. And you say, well, how can this be so wrong when it's so... You shouldn't be dealing with those feelings. They should have never happened. And just because they're so strong now doesn't mean it was ever right. Are you with me, friends? Adultery, fornication, ruin your life. Now, God will forgive you. He'll cleanse you. But I'm going to let you so much better control yourself. Control yourself. You've got no business thinking about his wife. You've got no business thinking about her husband or looking at them. got no business. Can you control yourself? Come on, help me. Can you control your mind? Can you control what you think? Sure you can. And if it's a problem for you, put some distance between you and it. Simple. I don't spend much time with other people's wives. Especially if their husbands are not around. Did you hear me? It's just not proper. Well, they're my buddy and we like to. It ain't right. Are y'all with me now? It ain't right. That's why you got such a catastrophic amount of all this adultery and fornication going on. Somebody say, I can control myself. I can control my thoughts. I can control what feelings I yield to, what desires I follow after. I can control it. Yes, you can. You're a child of God. The anointing's in here this morning, friends. Not to condemn you, to set you free, to make you strong. If you've blown it, you messed up in times past, well, you can't change that, but you never have to do it again. Something can happen in you this morning and you never have to do it again. You can live free. But can you see that if you're yielding to this, let's keep reading, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings. Somebody say uncontrolled. Uncontrolled. Out of control. control. Isn't that the problem with all this? Totally out of control flesh. People just do it. You hear people talking, well, why did you murder him? I don't know. I just got so mad. I just, I just, well, see, they've been yielding to that for the last 40 years. And if they don't, well, I, I wasn't at myself. Well, who was driving then? The devil. Because you yielded to him. You gave, you gave up yourself to him. Oh, but friend, you can give up yourself to the Holy Spirit too. <laughs> you can yield to him so long and so much that you just do it without thinking. What do you mean you do it without, you just love people without even thinking about it. You just, you just walk in faith without even thinking about it. You just, right? You didn't respond the right way because you've trained yourself to yield. And when wrong things come up, you don't give them the time of day. That thought is not even fully formed in your mind. You smelled it before it turned the corner. <laughs> Come on now. And you said, ah, that's a bad one there. No. <laughs> no today. No tomorrow. No. I'm not looking at that. I got to get something, something else for me to do right now. And how many, if you will do that, you will never even get close to having these kind of problems. It won't bother like it does other people. Some people think, well, I just, I just have a problem with pornography. I just, I just have it. Well, there's a reason why you do. Any one of us could be obsessed with pornography. Some say, oh, not me. Yeah, you. Every one of us. Depends on if you yield to it or not. 
The more you yield to it, the more you feed it, the stronger it gets until it torments you night and day. And you can't even go five minutes without thinking about it. Friend, that ain't being free. That's being in bondage. That's awful. There's no gratification out of that. It's torment. No good coming out of that. Well, friend, here's the good news. I don't care if it's something that's been ruling your life. You can starve it. By the grace of God, you can starve it until it gets so weak, it loses its power over you. Why? Because you're not just Joe Sinner. You're a child of God. Come on, help me out. You're a child of God. You got power in you. Sinners don't have this. But those that are born again, they have the power of the greater one inside to help them control themselves. And resist it and put it down. And no matter how grievous your sin is, it's not too big for the blood. The blood can wash you clean. Wash you clean. Like one of these little innocent babies up here that never even missed it. I'm telling you, it's not too good to be true. It's the truth. It's the truth. But make up your mind today. I'm not letting that rule me. I'm not letting that run me. It's keeping me back. You know, if your mind's filled with all this stuff and your body's filled with all this stuff, you're not fit for the Lord to use. I mean, you just, you can't even keep your mind straight for three minutes in a row. And see, that's the devil's plan. He'd like for all of us to be like that so that nothing can get done. But the time is short. Harvest is great. The laborers are few. We need you. We need every one of us at our full place, operating at our full capacity, because this is a big job. And a short amount of time to get it done. And don't let the devil win. I said don't let the devil win. Don't let him win. Here's the fruit you and I are looking for. Verse 22. Verse 22. Here's the fruit we're going to yield to. (laughs) The fruit of the Spirit is love. We're going to feed the love. Water the love. Yield to the love. Think about the love. We're going to have love harvest. And joy. What's the opposite of love? Selfishness. What needs to happen with selfishness? (laughs) Cut, Cut that stuff. What's the opposite of joy? Depression. What needs to happen with depression? Let me get my big pruning shears here. What? Where's that depression at? Huh? <laughs> Let's cut that depression off. How many know depression would keep you from being fruitful? Keep you shut up in your room, crying, feeling sorry for yourself. You're not going to produce anything for God like that. It's a trick of the devil. Joy and what? Peace. Peace. What's opposite of peace? Worrying and being scared and upset. What do you got to do with the upset and worrying? Help me out. Help me out. Let's cut that off. Because that's holding you back. Long suffering. That's as opposed to being short fused. Gentleness. That's as opposed to being hard and rough. Hmm? <laughs> you know. The Lord's been dealing with me about how we can be more effective reaching people outside. Are you interested in that? I'm going to be talking about some of those things right away. We're fishers of men. But you know, fishers have to have some finesse. Don't they? 
don't just take the bait and go, mm, bite it. I said bite it. <laughs> How many know, I mean, we live in uh, where you can fly fish around here too. What do you got to do? I don't know how. I'm not a good fly fisher, but but I know you got to you got to lay that out there so that you want that fly to land like he's supposed to land, some finesse, and then you want to wiggle him around so that that trout looks at that and goes, "I got to have that, <laughs> right? I got to have that." And the Bible said the sweetness of the lips increases learning. You and I should not be hard and harsh and pushy. And demanding. That's not Holy Spirit. That's just flesh. Put that back up on the screen for us. What? Long suffering and what? Gentleness. Gentleness. We ought to be the easy, easiest going folks you ever saw. Hmm? So calm, easy to talk to. That don't mean you agree with everything, but you just smile and go, uh, no. <laughs> no. But I like you. <laughs> no, you can't do that. No. No. But I love you. <laughs> just because you don't like something, you don't have to get mean. You ain't been out of shape. That's just being fleshy. That's being immature. And it hurts our witness and it cuts into our fruit. We could be producing more if we'd be more gentle. Instead of more, instead of so harsh. And goodness and faith and meekness as opposed to haughtiness and pride. Temperance, that's our word we're on. Instead of being uncontrolled against such, there is no law. What's the next verse? They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lusts. If we live in the Spirit, Let us also walk in the Spirit. It's up to us what we keep our mind on. It's up to us what we follow and what we let lead us. Stand on your feet, everybody. Thanks be unto God. Aren't you glad you don't have to be a slave to your flesh, to your body, to your unrenewed mind? Said out loud, I am saved. I am born again. I don't serve sin. I don't let my flesh and wrong thoughts and wrong feelings and wrong desires lead me, control me. I don't serve sin. Close your eyes and lift up your hands. Begin to praise him some. I'm telling you, there's some folks in here that's had some awful times with some things, but they can get free right now today. It's already working in your spirit. It's already working in your mind. The devil will tell you, oh, you've tried so many times to get free. You can't ever be free. He's a liar. Don't believe him. Don't believe him. He's not your Lord. You don't have to serve him or listen to him. No, somebody say, I'm free. free. Say it again, I'm free. I'm free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, 
you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.